Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Oh, welcome back to another episode. This one is so special. Today, we're interviewing one of Eleni's superheroes of life, and um, so Dr. Natasha, and we'll introduce her, but... I was like, well, I'm not sure who she is since I'm not in the nutrition world. But as soon as you said GAPS diet, I was like, we're interviewing the person that invented the GAPS diet. I was like, this is amazing. So this is an honor for me as well. So um, yes, without further ado, we'll we'll get started. And this is going to be really cool. Yeah. So welcome, Dr. Natasha, to our Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Of yes. course, of course. And so when I reached out to Dr. Natasha, I let her know I have been a fan of her work for years. Years. And I just have, just so you could see, this is Dr. Natasha's book. This is Gut and Psychology Syndrome, if you will notice. Yes. <laughs> All of these bookmarks up at the top, like this is my years of study and I have everything tabbed yes. and noted. And, and highlight so, the whole book. Everything's yeah. highlighted. Um, and so when I started my master's in nutrition, uh, Dr. Natasha's book is one of the first things I picked up and it really shaped the course of my studies through my nutrition career. And so one of the things I emphasized when I was in school was studying the connection, the gut-brain connection, the connection between diet and nutrition and conditions like autism spectrum disorders and ADHD and schizophrenia. And so Dr. Natasha, your work really guided me along that path. My sister is a clinical psychologist, and so I was really interested already in that population that she worked with and seeing how we could help them from a more functional perspective. And so just reading your book was so game-changing for me and really shaped that part of my study and my emphasis in school. And so it's so exciting now, a couple of years after graduating and passing my boards, to have been able to start this podcast and start sharing the information we've gathered over the years and to have somebody who really inspired me and my career on our show. This is really quite exciting. So cool. It's lovely to hear that. Well done for completing your degree. Thank you. So we need specialists like that all over the world. Yes. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely room for everyone. We need a lot more. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, so we'll go ahead and jump right into it, uh, Dr. Natasha. And so, um, Kay, would you like to start us out with our first question? Yes, absolutely. So, Dr. Natasha, tell us your story of First, how you came to be an MD and a neuroscientist, and then how you came into the field of nutrition. I'm a mainstream medical doctor trained in the Soviet Union. I graduated as a, as a neurologist and worked as a neurologist and a neurosurgeon for a few years. And then I started my own family and uh, moved to the UK. I married a, a British person. <laughs> and um, that's when my life changed. Uh, because my first child was diagnosed autistic <clears throat> at the age of three. And that threw me into a very steep learning curve. Um, long story short, now he's a, a healthy adult leading a normal life. And he was my first teacher teaching me that autism is curable as long as you catch the child young enough wow. and, change, and change things. Wow. And as I was working with him, 
I was in touch with many other families who had children with learning disabilities. We all had a community and we helped each other because at that time we didn't have internet. Yeah. Can you believe that such times existed? Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For the young ladies like you, that's probably unimaginable. Yeah. <laughs> I st- I'm not that young. I still remember I the days before our internet. <laughs> we used to mail letters. Oh. Yeah. We had a, a local library and that was it. You just yeah. got a few books and... Um, spoke on the phone to people and and that was it and we were all sharing what we were finding because there was no information on what to do with autistic children at that time it was considered to be incurable and that's that Mm -hmm. so as i was finding things i shared it with the community and the people started bringing their children to me and i realized quite quickly that adhd dyslexia dyspraxia allergies eczema asthma diabetes type 1 and all sorts of other learning disabilities and physical problems in children stem from the same place as the autism stems. And uh, as I looked at their parents, I realized that their parents are not well either. They have physical problems and mental problems. Uh, The most common ones were the uh, digestive problems, chronic fatigue, allergies, migraines, chronic cystitis, and other problems. And uh, that's how the concept of gaps got born and evolved and developed. It stays, it stands for Gutten Psychology Syndrome and Gutten Physiology Syndrome. Both abbreviate to the same gaps in the English language. So psychology focuses, the yellow book you have shown, focuses on the brain. Because that book was written in 2004 when I, indeed I was focusing largely on learning disabilities and mental illnesses in people. So I focused on the brain. But as I was working more with these patients and learning more, Uh, I had to understand that their physical problems, which they have lots of, stem from the same place. So I call that part, the rest of the body, Gutten Physiology Syndrome. And the second book, Gutten Physiology Syndrome, came out in 2020. It's this blue book. It's it's my latest book. So it has all the latest information. It doesn't replace the yellow book because this one focuses only on the physical body. While the yellow book focuses on the brain. I'm adding to my cart right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we combine uh, the two. So um, the concept that I have discovered was based on my Soviet training as a medical doctor because Soviet Union spent decades on studying gut flora. Wow. We knew. Yeah, well, that's we knew amazing. About, yeah. Absolutely. We knew about gut flora starting from Mechnikov because Ilya Mechnikov was the one who was a Russian scientist who discovered um, gut flora first, microbes in the digestive system of human beings. He was the first who discovered it. And uh, since that time in the Soviet Union, research was going on in this area. And there was a huge amount of research available. We already had probiotics, we had tests, and we were using it in clinical uh, settings. We were using probiotics and using this information. So when my first child uh, started having severe digestive problems, I knew this is gut flora, something's wrong. And this is what I need to focus on and this is what I need to fix. In Britain, where I was living at the time, there was no knowledge about this concept. Um, it, it hasn't arrived yet. Mm. Um, so I had to look elsewhere. And as it happens, I, I came across the work of Elaine Gottschill with SCD diet, mm-hmm. specific carbohydrate diet, which was developed uh, by a group of endocrinologists in New York in the 1930s, who worked with celiac disease and with children with um, 
uh, severe digestive disabilities. And that diet just resonated with me because that is the diet that my ancestors lived on and mm. I grew up on. It's a traditional diet that I was familiar with. Yeah. And uh, to go even further, when I was 18 months old, I had a food poisoning in the kindergarten and I just wasn't recovering. I was I lost enormous amount of weight. I was just melting away. And uh, my, grand- my parents were very, very concerned. Nothing was helping. So they called my grandparents who lived in a small village in the mountains. And uh, it was a village where there was one shop which sold salt, buckets, spades, underwear. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So all the the, uh, food that people ate, they produced themselves. Everybody had a homestead and everybody produced their own food. And my grandmother came to the city, she took me away, she took me to the village, and my parents didn't see me for 18 months after that. Wow. Because it was quite, quite far away uh, to go there. Wow. So and when, when they came to see me next time in the village, I was a healthy little toddler. Wow. My grandmother healed me with the GAPS diet. Wow. Whoa. That is was so powerful. That was literally the diet that I now teach. So this is fate. I can't imagine yeah. that it's anything else. Right. So uh, when I stumbled upon a CD and I've made changes in it, I've adapted it to my patients, to the to the healing of the digestive system. And that's how the GAPS diet was born. Wow. I was basically born with it, <laughs> with this diet. And um, as I started treating uh, children in my clinic, we started getting results. And then I realized the whole family needs treating, the parents, the siblings, because the siblings may not be autistic, but they have digestive problems, they have fussy eating habits, they're clingy, they're emotionally unstable. Many of them, they have allergies, asthma, eczema, various other problems. So when I put the whole family on the GAPS nutritional protocol, on the GAPS diet, chronic fatigue started disappearing. Hmm. Chronic cystitis started disappearing. Migraines would just stop in the parents. Skin problems started disappearing, asthma disappearing. And children with other problems, physical and mental, started recovering, and adults too. So that's how the whole concept evolved, and I understood that gut flora is the key. It is the place that holds the roots of our health. No matter which organ, no matter what system in the body, no matter how far away from the digestive tract that system or organ may be, the roots of the disease and the roots of good health are in the gut. And now, uh, as the Western science uh, started catching up with gut flora and with the concept of microbiome, um, the research now is piling up very rapidly, very fast, lots of it coming out. We now know that there is nothing microbe-free in the human body. Nothing. We have microbes in our brain, in our blood, in our lungs, in the heart, in the liver, in abdominal cavity, in our joints, in the muscles, in the bones, everywhere. But the biggest community of microbes lives in the digestive system. And there is a reason for it. Because if you ask any microbiologist, what is the most powerful influence on a microbial community in nature? The answer will be immediately food. Uh, Food. mm -hmm. You change the food supply to a microbial community in a petri dish in a lab. That community changes within hours completely. Mm-hmm. Certain species of microbes disappear, other species of microbes uh, propagate and, and proliferate, and the whole microbial community changed. Wow. Where do we put food? 
in our digestive system. That is why the majority, 90% of all cells in the human body are in our gut flora. They are microbes. So our gut flora is the headquarters of the whole microbiome of the body. It's the big ministry. It's where all the big decisions are made and all the changes are made. And it communicates with the rest of the microbial communities everywhere else in the human body. And now we know that majority of us are microbes, that human body is a microbial community. There are far more microbial cells in us than human cells. Mm-hmm. Wow. So as long as we look after all microbes, first and foremost in the digestive tract, we look after the whole body. And in order to look after microbes, we have to change food. And that is what the GAPS diet is designed for. It's designed to normalize, harmonize, rebalance the microbial community in the human body, the microbiome of the human body. And once that's fixed, all sorts of diseases melt away and disappear. Whether they're in the brain, in the joints, in the muscles, in the bone marrow, in the liver, in the lungs, in the heart, in your toes. This is wild. It, it's really quite miraculous that the like answer to all these troubles are like that old ancient way of eating. Like, it's so simple. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. What a powerful, I mean, there's, yeah. there's wow. so much I just want to unpack <laughs> yes. there. Yes. Um, but, but what would you mind sharing? What were some of the changes you saw in your own son? So I know you said he was diagnosed autistic at three years old. What what did that look like? What were some of the behavioral challenges that you were facing at that point? And yeah. then... And how long maybe? And took. how long after starting him on that new GAPS diet, what, what transformations did you see and how, how soon did you see them? He was severely autistic. He had no language. He had no comprehension of language. He didn't respond to his name. Hmm. He was self-stimulating all the time. Um, he had all sorts of... Um, aberrant behaviors. So it was a severe, severe situation. Wow. Wow. And uh, once I've changed the diet, lots of things had started changing. At the same time, we were teaching him, of course. We were using ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, which is very important because what the GAPS nutritional protocol will do for the autistic child, it'll clean up the brain. Because autistic children, 100% of them, from my point of view, modern autistic children, were born with a perfectly normal brain. Mm. These were perfectly normal babies, but they got poisoned in the first two years of their life, usually in the first year of life mostly, because the child acquires its microbiome. The majority of cells in our body are those microbes. The child acquires those from mother and father. And we have generations of people in the Western world now who have abnormal microbial communities in their bodies yeah. because we're exposed to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, antibiotic kills off a bunch of microbes and that breaks the balance, the harmony between all the other microbes. So the microbes which used to be perfectly beneficial as part of the balanced, harmonious community, when the balance is broken, they overgrow and they become pathogenic. Wow. You, 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 you just create a complete havoc in your microbial community in the body. And uh, people nowadays take antibiotics not only from the doctors, they eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) Right. Because people buy food in supermarkets. And who stocks up the shelves in the supermarkets? Industrial agriculture. 
Right. Industrial agriculture uses a plethora of chemicals, most of which are broad-spectrum antibiotics in their nature. Wow. Right. So every bite of food you buy in a supermarket is full of antibiotics. You are breaking down the balance, the harmony in your microbial community, in your body all the time. Every time you eat, every time you put anything into your mouth. Wow. So we have generations now of people who have abnormal um, microbial community in their bodies and an abnormal gut flora. And that is what the mother and the father pass to their baby. So yeah. when the child starts life with that kind of microbial community, the food that the child receives is converted into millions of poisonous chemicals mm -hmm. by pathogenic microbes. While the child is breastfed exclusively, the child's protected because breastfeeding provides protection. That is why in the modern times, in, in our modern Western world, I recommend that as at least. Okay, yep. Because I have seen so many cases where a mother did that. Yeah. She breastfed her child for three years at least, and as she would have a new baby, she'll continue breastfeeding other older children, even a little bit every day supports the child's immune system. Oh. And I know for sure as a clinician that if that child didn't receive that boost every day, that child would have been autistic. Hmm. Wow. wow. It, it, it pulled the child through. The child may have digestive problems, maybe clingy, maybe a little bit, um, you know, fussy with food or something else, but not autistic. Hmm. Wow. Which is a big disaster for, for every family. So ladies, wow. breastfeed your babies for three years at least. Wow. I plan for that. Wow. It is important in the modern world because we're all damaged. Our microbial communities are all damaged wow. in every one of us. That's that's what the environment that we live in. Um, so what happens in autism? These babies are poisoned by their own abnormal gut flora, which digests the food inappropriately and converts it into millions of poisonous chemicals. These chemicals absorb into the blood of the baby or the child, and is carried to the brain and carried everywhere else as well in the body. How do babies learn? How do children learn? They use their sensory organs to collect information from the environment. They use their hearing, their vision, tactile sensitivity, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, or proprioceptors and, and other sensory organs. So these organs collect information from the environment, and then they pass that information to the brain to be processed. And from that information, the child learns how to be a human being in this world, how to recognize close uh, relatives, mother, father, siblings, how to play with toys, how to speak, how to communicate, all, this, all these things. But if the brain is clogged with toxicity, it cannot process that information appropriately. All the information from the sensory organs of the child turn into a noise, into a mush, in the child's brain, and as a result, the development is abnormal. Right. Wow. The child becomes either autistic or hyperactive or dyslexic or dyspraxic, schizophrenic, psychotic, oppositional defiant. Um, many children do not fit into any diagnostic box because depending on what mixture of toxins come into the brain, every child is unique. Right. They have unique damage and unique poisoning. These are poisoned children. Right, wow. They were born with perfectly normal brains. The poisoning is coming from the digestive system of the child. So what do we do with the GAPS nutritional protocol? We rebalance the microbial community in the gut, and we heal and seal the gut wall. 
because these toxins and these pathogenic microbes that overgrow in the gut, they damage the integrity of the digestive wall, of the gut wall of the child or the adult, making it porous, leaky, and open to invasion. Mm. It becomes like a sieve and a river of toxicity flows through that damaged gut wall. GAPS diet rebuilds a new gut wall for the person. All those holes get closed up. We seal the gut wall. And that stops that river of toxicity. At the same time, we rebalance the microbial community in the digestive tract. So the digestive system stops being a, a major source of toxicity in the body and becomes the source of nourishment for the child or the adult, as it's supposed, supposed to do, right. as it's supposed to be. And that is what the GAPS nutritional protocol does. That's what the diet does. The diet, the food, is the most powerful medicine in the world. Mm, Nothing can come close to it. That is why it has to be the very base of every healing protocol, the change in the diet. Amen. 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 (laughs) Well, and what are the, for our listeners, what are the things on the GAPS diet that you highlight that people do? I guess the rules of the protocol. Well, it's a huge subject, the diet. It's important for people to uh, understand. But there are several principles that I would like to outline. First of all, we remove foods which are difficult to digest, which damage the digestive system of a human being, even in people with cast iron digestive system. They have to digest. Uh, And and the same uh, foods happen to feed the pathogenic microbes in the gut same things these are all seeds and all grains are seeds okay Mm, okay. beans lentils are seeds nuts other seeds why seeds because plants you see they can't run away from a predator and they don't want their babies their seeds to be eaten they want them to grow to propagate it's important for their survival so plants equip their seed their babies with special chemicals, which are called anti-nutrients. These chemicals damage the digestive system of an animal that would eat these seeds. Mm. I'm an organic farmer, and when my grass goes to seed, my cow stops eating it. Mm. She looks at me with this look. What are you doing? (laughs) I'm not eating that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not eating that, exactly. She stops because she knows it will hurt her digestive system. Even with her special a ruminant digestive system, which is very different from human digestive system. So, apart from that, seeds, all grains, contain starch. That's a very large molecule under the microscope, very complicated, complex, and difficult to digest for a human being. Starch. So, starch has to be out, most of it. Wow. Tiny amounts remain, uh, but but starchy things. And this are, again, all the seeds, the grains, the beans, the lentils, all these sort of things. And uh, starchy vegetables, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, Jerusalem artichokes, um, and other potato, sweet potatoes, other potato family. So these things are removed because they feed pathogenic microbes and they're difficult to digest, they damage the digestive system, even in healthy people to a certain degree. Secondly, second, we need to feed the person nutrient-dense diet. So that with every mouthful, the person gets such a concentrated amount of valuable nutrients for the gut wall to be rebuilt, for all the damaged uh, bones and muscles and brain to be rebuilt and lungs and everything else to be rebuilt. Because the physical structure of our bodies is built out of what we eat. 
out of food. And also the physical structure of the human body renews itself all the time. Cells live a short life. They get worn out. They get old. They die. And new cells get born to replace them. So the body gives birth to trillions of new baby cells every day. In order to produce trillions of baby cells, building materials are required. Right. Where do they come from? These building materials from food. So we provide quality building materials. So we build the body for the person, for the child or the adult, out of quality materials. Mm-hmm. Because in many people who live on a standard Western diet, their bodies are made out of poor quality materials. Mm-hmm. Right. That is why, you know, one child I met recently, six-year-old, um, he just said openly, he said, I feel that my body is broken. Mm-hmm. Because a grandfather picked him up and wanted to kind of just throw him up in the air and hug him and squeeze him a little bit. Mm-hmm. This boy burst into crying and said, my whole body is broken. Mm-hmm. That's how they feel because their bodies are made out of poor quality materials. Right. Yeah. And they know. They don't, yeah. They, they know that they, they don't feel well in that body. They don't feel safe. Yeah. And they don't feel they can't run and they can't play sports and they can't just bounce and bump and, you know, it right. hurts. Right. So we rebuild the body out of quality materials. What are these quality materials? Yeah. Here we come to the second point, very important point. And I have written a book about this which is called Vegetarianism Explained, where I explain this concept in detail. Mm -hmm. We live in a world of nutritional misinformation. Yes, we do. And the big mainstream pushes now for vegetarianism because it serves the global corporations and those who um, are in charge of the world, it seems. Mm -hmm. Try to be in charge of the world, to turn us all into vegans and vegetarians. It's their propaganda. So here we come to a very important point. Mother Nature gave us two groups of foods on our planet. Animal foods and plant foods, two kingdoms. So animal foods are the meats, fish, eggs, and dairy. Plant foods are the grains, the beans, the vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, uh, uh, greens, these kind of things. So these two groups of um, foods work very, very differently in the human body. And that is due to the structure of the human digestive system. The fact, the scientific fact that we have known for 100 years now in, in uh, our sciences is that the only things on our planet that can truly digest plants are microbes. Hmm. The only things. Nobody else can digest plant matter. Microbes. Mother Nature used this scientific fact in creating the digestive system of herbivorous animals. Hmm. Cows, goats, sheep, giraffe, antelope, deer, and all the other herbivorous animals mm-hmm. have several stomachs full of microbes, stuffed full of microbes. So the cow doesn't digest the grass herself. It's that microbial community in her three huge stomachs called the rumen digest the grass for her. Mm-hmm. And the same with all the other ruminant animals. We human beings don't have a rumen. Right. We have one small stomach, Compared to the cows, it's a tiny little stomach. Right. Mm-hmm. And it produces hydrochloric acid. And the acidity can go below 2, below 1 pH when we're hungry. That's normal for the human stomach. And that's a very hostile environment for any microbe to survive. Right. So human stomach is virtually sterile. It has virtually no microbes in it. 
As a result, plants are indigestible for the human being. Largely, they're indigestible. Right, makes sense. Well, yeah. Wow. So when you look at the human being, uh, at, at the physical structure of a human body, about 70% by weight of our bodies is water. When you remove the water, what's left, the dry weight of the human body is 50-50, thereabouts, protein and fat. And when we analyze human protein and human fat in the lab, we find that in, in the structure, they're very similar, almost identical to proteins and fats that we get from meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Wow. These foods are easy for us to digest because what do they need to digest? They need hydrochloric acid and they need pepsin. And that we have. The yeah. juice that human stomach produces is perfect for digesting animal products. Right. Yeah. But plants are indigestible. They just sit in the stomach, wait for their turn. Then they pass into the intestines where the absorption of food happens and not much happens there either. We absorb some juices, some minerals, a few vitamins from them. But the bulk of what we are made of, protein and fat, plants cannot provide. Because first of all, their proteins and fats are indigestible for us. Secondly, proteins have the wrong amino acid composition. They cannot build our human protein. It's very, very difficult for the human body to use plant proteins for uh, building our human protein. And fats are largely polyunsaturated. We need a tiny amount of polyunsaturated fatty acids. And we can't get them from grass-fed milk and eggs and meat. Right. Uh, but but uh, majority of the bulk of fat that our bodies are made of and they require have the same composition, biochemical composition, as beef fat, lamb fat, goose fat, duck fat, butter, cream, pork fat. So it's the same biochemical proportions and compositions. So the only feeding, building foods for human beings are animal foods. Mm -hmm. They build the physical structure we live in. And remember, this physical structure renews itself all the time. We have to keep pumping nutrients in to produce, provide the building materials right. for the body to keep renewing itself, rebuilding, mm -hmm. to heal any damage, to rejuvenate, to perpetuate itself. So it's the animal foods that do that. Right. Plants do not feed the human body. So the question is, why do we eat them at all, the plants? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Why do we eat them at all? Because they give us fun. They give us colors, flavors. You know, they give us uh, tastes. They give us variety. And uh, they give us cleansing substances. Yeah. A lot of powerful cleansing substances. Yeah, it's important to be well nourished and it's important to be clean on the inside. So combining the animal foods and the plants provides you with good nourishment and with cleansing. And depending on what... Um, situation is happening in a person's body if we have someone with a large accumulation of toxicity overweight person maybe a, a, a vegan protocol for a week or couple of weeks might be helpful just cleanse 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 right without feeding yourself too much right, sure. but then at a certain point the body will stop cleansing and will give you a signal i finished mm. cleansing i'm hungry now mm. feed me <laughs> the way the body will give that signal it will give you a desire for a roast chicken, <laughs> for bacon, for eggs, for Sounds a pot of yummy. cream, you know, for something like that, for, for a pot of sour cream. And uh, that's when a person should listen. Right. 
to that signal. Unfortunately, the uh, vegans that we get in our modern world now, in the Western world, many of them are doing it for political reasons, right. mm -hmm. emotional mm -hmm. reasons, uh, religious reasons, and other uh, reasons. They don't listen to their body. Right. They ignore these signals they, they, and continue forcing their body to cleanse when the body is asking to be fed. Right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, then they run into trouble and they become ill. These people very, very ill, Men mentally ill, physically ill. I have met the, the, we have now a growing population in the world of recovering vegans. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who, who hit the rock bottom, realized something very serious and started recovering, started eating meat again. Right. So coming back to the building, feeding foods, the bulk of human body, just like the bulk of a body of any animal or bird, is made out of connective tissue. I'm a farmer, as I said. I love my animals. So when my animal gives its life to sustain my community here, my family, when we kill it, I wouldn't dream of throwing anything away. Right. Simply out of respect and love for this animal, every little bit must be used. Right. And about 80-90% of the whole carcass of a bull, bullock, or a pig, or a, I, I don't know, goat, a billy, or, or somebody like that, is connective tissue. It is bones, joints, ligaments, fascias, tough, uh, tough, strong tissues, which and organs and arteries and veins, you know, trachea and things like that, uh, which Western butchers throw away. Mm -hmm. Because uh, all they sell to people is lean, skinless, boneless, fatless <laughs> muscle, right. pure, yep. pure muscle to right. people. Eating pure muscle in every traditional culture is known to cause disease. Mm. You cannot eat pure muscle of the animal, no matter how you cook it, um, without fat and without the connective tissue, because connective tissue is the bulk of our physical structure. What is connective tissue? It's made out of collagen, elastin, and other elastic, tough fibers. About three quarters of all protein in the human body is collagen. And collagen is a magnet for toxicity in the body, so it gets damaged. Hmm if we live in a toxic world, in a polluted world. So we have to keep replenishing it. We have to pump collagen into our bodies all the time. That is why in a traditional society, majority of meals and dishes were made out of those parts of the animal that were gelatinous, that were rich in collagen, because that's the majority of the carcass of the animal. That's what people, that's what was available. You know, you only get a few kilograms of pure muscle steak out of an animal, everything else is. And uh, this tough collagen and tough connective tissue needs cooking in water for a few hours to become soft enough to even chew it, right. let alone digest and, and, right. and benefit from it. So soup, soup, broth, stock, and we call it in the GAPS diet meat stock, not bone broth, meat stock. Mm -hmm. When we take a chunk of animal with nothing removed, feet, spine, neck, head, skin of the pig, you know, um, all this kind of cartilage. There is a bone inside, there's cartilage inside, there are veins and arteries and nerves, there's fat, the skin, you know, all of these sort of things, all and fascias and ligaments and joints in there. All of that, a chunk of the animal goes into the pan, we fill the pan with water, salt, pepper, we cook it for about three hours, three, four hours on a slow heat. And what happens at the end of it? 
the meat becomes soft, it falls off the bone. All the collagen is unraveled and it's soft. We can chew it and eat it and it will replenish our collagen, our joints, our ligaments, our muscles, our skin, our bone structure. And um, the stock is rich and delicious. We can throw a few vegetables in it, cook for another 15 minutes until vegetables are soft and you have soup. Wow, sounds amazing. Yes, and you strip those bones like a piranha, you know, (laughs) until they're completely clean. So you eat all the all the collagen, you bang the bone marrow out of the bones on a wooden uh, chopping board. That's an absolute balsam for your bone marrow yeah, and for your immune system, for your blood. And uh, this is what provides the dense, concentrated nutrition to build your gut wall on you. We are going the to your house for supper tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to cook. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's, that's good. So wow. that, that is a, a major, that is a staple in the GAPS diet. Wow. We want animal foods and we want traditional stock, meat stock, and we want all the tissues that we strip off the bone. After we've cooked the vegetables in that stock, we then return all the meats and tissues back into the stock. So our soup, a bowl of soup we have, has a rich stock. It has all the um, bite-sized pieces of collagenous, rich pieces of fascias and ligaments and bone marrow in it and bits of muscle, of course, and skin and cartilage and whatever. And, uh, you know, a bit of garlic, a bit of parsley at the end. Beautiful. Yeah. Sounds Amazing. delicious. <laughs> delicious. That is what every traditional society for thousands of years lived on every single day. Right. Yeah. That is what was their main meal and the most important meal. And I was fortunate enough to grow up in a traditional society. God bless my grandmother, who was yeah. a village healer. Yeah. And she healed me with these soups. How amazing. She, Wow. Yeah, she also had a cow and uh, she had this in- enameled tub in-, in her pantry where she made her own sour milk product. It was called katik. And um, every day she would take a portion of it, the whole family would consume it, and she would just put fresh milk in it. And the culture just went on and on and on forever, pretty much. And every household had one of those. Hmm. Right. And in every household it was slightly different. So if your culture died, you could run to your neighbor and the neighbor will share um, their culture with you so healing was basically soup and katik wow open this sour milk product and it was raw milk grass-fed organic creamy beautiful and uh, that is the the best healing you want eggs to that from chickens who are on pasture running around in the sunlight eating lots of grass insects worms bugs and um, add some sour cream to it as well and add to that fish and you can heal any disease. Wow. Wow. I need that. Just just a clip of that. That's amazing. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, this is such good information. I'm going to go home and make stew now. <laughs> what's your What's your go-to breakfast? Eggs. Eggs. Okay. Eggs, eggs and liver pate. I make a liver pate regularly. Uh, it's very simple to make it. And it's I freeze it. So yeah. we always have it in the freezer. When you when you get into cooking, you, you I always cook a large amount, so then it can be frozen, yep. so you don't have to cook every day, and it keeps well. So a little pate and some fermented vegetables, maybe um, a tomato or something like that, fresh, and that's it. Yeah, so amazing, good. And I always encourage on our podcast. You know, we always encourage people to look for local farmers if you can't raise the products yourself. Yep. 
um, because a lot of the local farmers, especially where we are in Kelowna, Iowa, is a large Amish community. Um, and so there is, yeah. is, yeah, a lot of access to some yeah. of the more commonly discarded parts of the animal yes. because they are more traditional in terms of what they save and use. So you have access to that. But for anybody, anywhere, look for local farm shares, look yeah. for somewhere where you could buy a share of a cow and where you have a say in how the animal is processed yeah. because then you can get a hold of some of those parts that like Dr. Natasha was referencing in the Western cultures, we tend to just throw them away. Mm-hmm. But if you have a say in how the animal is being butchered and divided up, you can get those parts. Yes, absolutely. We as humanity have to get rid of supermarkets. Yeah. And the first thing we have to do as consumers, stop buying your food in supermarkets. Yeah. Everything you buy in supermarkets is produced by industrial agriculture. It causes disease. Yes. Right. Yes. It is not going to give you good health. Because it's laced with agricultural chemicals and grown with agricultural practices, which are cruel, damaging. And they hurt the planet and they hurt the soil and they hurt the animals and and they hurt the plants. The plants have feelings. Mm -hmm. They're alive. They may be simple, simple life forms, but but they're still alive. They're living forms. Absolutely. Everything living has feelings. Everything uh, receives the energy and it, it identifies that energy, whether it's the energy with frequency of love and kindness, or with frequency of greed and cruelty. Yes, right. So you're right. buying that energy in the food and you're consuming that energy. Mm-hmm. And if you buy energy that, if, if your food is charged with energy of greed and cruelty, mm-hmm. how is that going to give you good health? Right, right. It's impossible. Right. So what would I recommend to people in the cities? I put them in charge with it. I'm putting them in touch with each other. And, uh, and I tell them, go to the local farmer's market. Yeah. On the weekend, talk to people who sell food there, talk to these farmers and ask them, can I visit your farm? Yeah. A real natural farmer has nothing to hide. Right. Mm-hmm. He will be delighted for you to come and visit his farm. Yeah. So make a weekend out of it, throw the kids in the car, take the dog and have a lovely time visiting a farm. Right. And have a look. Are there any chemicals lying about? Are there any refrigerators full of antibiotics and steroids? At a good farm, there will be none of that. And right. the animals will be out on pasture. Right. Chickens should be on pasture. Pigs should be on pasture or in a forest. Yes. Uh, cows, uh, sheep, all the all the animals. And the, the soil needs to be healthy. And just uh, look in the face and in the eye of that farmer. Is this a good person? Right. Does this person love his land and his animals and his birds and his soil? So once you found these good farms... Start buying food exclusively from them. It, all it takes is just driving there once a week and getting your weekly supply. Right. Yeah. You may find several farms. Here you buy your meat. Here you buy milk. There you get eggs. Um, vegetables maybe can be delivered because there are a lot of uh, people organized now to deliver organic vegetables. So, and um, what I recommend for people in the cities to form groups yeah. so that you don't have to drive every week yourself. You can form a group and make a rota. So this week, this family went and bought food for the whole group. Oh, yeah. right. Sure. Their apartment in the city. And people then can come and pick up their bits and pieces from their apartment. Next week, somebody else can do that. But when the group becomes bigger, the farmers are happy to deliver to one place in the city. Right. Yes. All it yes. takes is getting organized. Yes. And, and that way, not only you will be helping a good farmer to survive because, um, Governments in the Western world support industrial agriculture. Yes. 
Well, the life of organic farmers, they make their life very difficult. Right. Yes. Very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the farmers yes. who survive are the, the ones who have a strong customer base, people that they sell their food to directly. So you'll be supporting a good person who yes. is struggling. And at the same time, you'll be providing your family with top quality food. Yep. Yep. Yeah. To, to keep yourselves healthy and well. Yep. Yeah. And this feel better in the body and mind. Yeah. That's right. This is such gold, such gold. gold. I'm going to go buy a homestead now. (laughs) I honestly could listen to you all day, Dr. Natasha. I really could. And I feel like we could make seven episodes out of everything you just said. I mean, I'm just, it's so valuable and so important. So for everybody who's listening to this episode, you are blessed that you are taking in this information because it's so important. And we've talked a lot in other episodes about you know, you can feel like you're just one person and how can I make a difference? But the truth is we vote with our dollars. Yeah. So when you support mm-hmm. the local farmer, when you support the people who are doing it right, yeah. you are making a change in the positive direction yeah. and you are taking your money away from the people who are not doing it right, from the people who don't have your best interests in mind. Yeah. So remember, you vote with your dollar. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, it, it could sound overwhelming and like a lot of work but as i'm sure you could attest to dr natasha having a child who is suffering from a condition like autism is horrible i'm sure to live with and it's so worth it to find a it's way far more work yeah it's far more work you know people with autistic children in particular many parents repeated the same thing to me we can't afford not to do this diet right ah yes Yes. Yeah. It is easier to do this diet than not to do it. Yeah, yeah. right. True. Because then you have the, your quality of life, the quality of life of the whole family improves to such a degree that you never want to go back to that chaos. Yeah. The child with a learning disability can create in a family. Right. Yeah. Every yeah. time you feed that child bread or pizza or sugar or anything like that, the whole family is fractured. Yeah. Everybody's stressed. There is no peace. There's no harmony. Everybody lives and just survives in a chaos. Where if you have a family that is fed well, everybody's calm and happy and well, and they sleep well, and they smile, and they're interested, and their brains are switched on, and their eyes are are bright, and tails are bushy. So it's a completely different quality of life. Your family transforms. Right. Wow. People yes. with, with children with any kind of physical and mental problems simply cannot afford not to do this diet. Right. Yes. I agree. Yes. It's easier to do it than not to do it. Yes. There it is. Preach. Preach. Oh my God. <laughs> there it is. It's true. Is so I, I just wish I could have that, you know, because in my work with my nutrition coaching patients, that's the message I'm trying to convey all the time, you know, is. People will be like, well, those changes are really expensive or I don't have the time to prep the food. And I'm like, do you have time to die from cancer? Mm -hmm. Do you have time to sit in a hospital? Do you have time to lose your loved ones? I know that sounds morbid and harsh, but the reality is if you can't take time to take care of yourself, you're going to lose that time somewhere else from being sick. And I'd rather spend time doing something to nourish myself than spend time wasting away, unable to do the things I want to do. Yep. Yep. What's that? A healthy man has a thousand dreams and a sick one has a sick man has one dream (laughs) to get healthy again. Yeah. To get healthy. Exactly. That's another good saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so 
So for people who are following the GAPS protocol, are there any supplements that you would recommend in addition to the dietary changes? Majority of people around the world uh, do not have enough money for supplements. Mm -hmm. They just have enough money to buy my book, study it, and follow it. Yeah. And they recover. Yeah. And they recover. Supplements are expensive. And Mother Nature didn't design us to live on pills. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that many nutritionists nowadays around the world telling you that you can't live without supplements. Mm -hmm. We must take supplements. I've heard it so many times now. It's just unbelievable. Uh, how how people drove themselves into this dead end. Um, Mother Nature designed our bodies to get all the nutrients we need from food. Okay. Yap's diet is nutrient-dense diet. Mm -hmm. Once you've implemented it, <clears throat> your body will have no nutritional deficiencies. Wow. You will not need anything at all. I'm not taking any supplements. My family doesn't take any supplements. Majority of GAPS people do not take any supplements. In the initial stages, if you can afford it, it's a good idea to have cod liver oil, which will boost you with vitamin A, vitamin D, and cholesterol quite quickly. These three essential substances for healing are absolutely you know, not optional. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have them. So cod liver oil is good, good quality cod liver oil. Fermented cod liver oil is good. And uh, probiotics can be helpful many people particularly people who haven't got time to get organized to start fermenting their foods mm -hmm. but there are many companies now who ferment for you yeah you mm -hmm. can buy sauerkraut you can buy fermented pickles you can buy fermented carrots and cucumbers and other vegetables you know so initially you can buy those and they will provide you with all your probiotic needs and if you get uh, kefir grains you know the little 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 communities of microbes give you grains uh, you'll invest a few dollars into that no more and then it'll last you forever right mm. as long as you feed them every day fresh milk every 24 hours you feed them fresh milk and they will just grow and say thank you to you and keep you healthy and well kefir right. is a wonderful wonderful healing uh, powerful healing remedy so I recommend everybody to go into that there is plenty of explanations and instructions online what kefir is, how to make it, how to work with it, so anybody can learn to do that. All it takes is just getting organized step by step. It's important for a person not to throw themselves at the deep end. Yeah. Take as much as you can on a daily basis. Right. You are making progress. Just yeah. because people, uh, particularly people, gaps people who have abnormal gut flora, and um, we are getting into the majority of people in the Western world are in that state. Yeah. Their brains are not functioning well. Yeah. They have brain fog. Yeah. They're tired. They're fatigued. Um, they can't focus very well. Their memory is not great. Their emotions are all over the place. Yeah. It's hard for them to focus. It's hard for them to even sit and, and take in the text of the book, even, even read that. Yeah. So take mm -hmm. it in steps as you can, as you manage. In every diet in the world, there are lots of different diets on offer in the world. In every diet, the improvements in the first few weeks are due to one simple thing in every diet, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, gaps, carnivorous, uh, I, I don't know, paleo, whatever, you know, whatever diet. One thing brings you improvements in the first few weeks in every diet, removal of wheat and sugar. Right. Yes, yes. Yep. That is the first thing that must be done. 
If you're addicted to these things and you can't even imagine living without bread or bagels or, or something like that, right. or, or sugar, then don't do that first. Then make your soup first. Mm. Make that soup we were talking about. Yeah. Add it. And start pushing out the bread yeah. and replacing it with that soup. Yeah. And replacing with your eggs in the morning, which are swimming in pork fat, with bacon, with whatever vegetables you have, you know, whatever you fancy there. And start pushing out bread and sugar. Don't stop them cold turkey because they will cause a withdrawal. Right. The most addictive substance in the world, mm -hmm. far more addictive than cocaine, mm -hmm. is sugar. Right. Yeah. Sugar. Sugar is the number one drug in the world. Yes. And everybody is addicted to it. Yes. The second most addictive thing in the world is wheat flour. Right. Far more addictive than cocaine, wow. marijuana, or anything else. Wheat flour. Everybody is addicted to it. But because everybody is eating it, people think, well, how can that be bad for me? Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody is eating it. Kind of thing. <laughs> so what's made out of wheat flour? Everything, your, your bread, your pasta, your pizza, your bagels, your cakes, biscuits, like cookies, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. So once you've removed those two things, you are halfway there. You yes. will start getting tremendous yes. Yep. Elaine got me off of sugar last year, so that's good. <laughs> that was a good thing. Um, I'm curious to um, circle back to your son. How long until you really noticed that he was um, kind of more functioning in a normal realm? And and I, I know you said in a couple weeks we'll feel better without um, gluten and sugar. What are, like, how long do you think, you know, until we're feeling real good? Or what's your timeline or, and, and for your son? Children start improving literally almost immediately. Okay. In small steps, some children uh, go up like a rocket, other improve slower. Okay. Uh, and when you're with a child every day and the uh, autistic children create such a chaos in the family, their parents are exhausted. Yes. Right. Yes. It's important to keep a diary because okay. when you're in the middle of it and you can't focus and yeah. there's a noise constantly yep. and everything else, it's hard to realize Oh, my child stopped doing that. The tantrums have stopped. Right. Wow. Screaming has stopped. Wow. Or aggression has stopped. Or he stopped watching the washing machine for hours. Mm -hmm. He's now more interested in drawing and, and talking to me and, and, and doing something else. So it's important to keep a diary or delegate that to anyone, to grandparents, for example, who want to help. Yeah. You know, other members of the family, they, they very often they want to help or all the children. They can record these things for you. They can be keeping a diary for you. So it's important to do that. And the children, adults all improve. Wow. And uh, some improve very rapidly. Others improve slower. We shook off autism completely in two years. Wow. Wow. From a, an extremely severe situation to mainstream school. Wow. With autistic children, of course, it's important to catch them when they're little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because remember, the child was born with a normal brain, mm -hmm. an autistic child. Perfectly normal, fresh, pristine brain. But that brain was bombarded by a river of very poisonous chemicals. Mm -hmm. And as the brain gets contaminated with those chemicals, of course, the immune system can't stand by and do nothing mm -hmm. about that situation. It starts using inflammation, autoimmunity, and other mechanisms to try and clean the brain 
And it's the immune system then that, 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 that causes a lot of physical damage to the tissue of the brain. The longer that situation continues of this poisoning and the immune activity in the brain, the more physical damage in, is inflicted to the brain. Yeah. yeah. And all the physically damaged parts of the brain then atrophy. Wow. You can't reverse that. Right. Yeah. It's very difficult. So the older the child is, the more ingrained these disorders become and the more difficult they are to reverse. And uh, up to the age of four and a half, I would say, maximum five, depending on the individual situation, we can shake autism completely. Wow. wow. That's amazing. All the, all the children will all improve. Even people in their 40s and 50s, severe autistic individuals improve. Can improve. Everybody improve, absolutely. All of them improve. Wow. Everybody to an individual degree. But at that point, you cannot get rid of autism. Right. Wow. Um, I'm curious, the, um, your perspective on um, vaccines... Right. I just thought, I I've, um, I've just had a number of people, parents ask me my thought on vaccines and the connection between vaccines and autism. And I'm certainly not an expert in this topic. And I just thought in your book, you did such a good job of breaking down some of the mechanisms behind that interaction between vaccines and autism and how they are and are not connected. And I just wondered if you could go into that in a little, just an overhead for this episode. Well, the major argument for people uh, pro-vaccines is that millions of children all over the world get vaccinated and they're all right. They're okay. They're not sick. They're, they're okay. They, they function. So vaccines in themselves do not cause these disorders. Children who get damaged by vaccines are gapsters. They're already vulnerable. Right. They have abnormal microbial community. They have abnormal gut flora. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Vaccination is a huge attack on the immune system of right. the child. Mm -hmm. About 85% of the immunity in the, in, is in the gut wall. So our digestive system is a major, most important and the biggest immune organ in the body. Why? Because 90% of all cells in the body are in the gut form. Right. They're microbes. It's, a, it's, it's one army, it's one sort of partnership and one group of cells working together exchanging information, exchanging substances and doing the job together. And if the gut flora is abnormal, the immune system is abnormal too. Right. Misinformed, it's malnourished, it's intoxicated, it's shooting all over the place. And already it is a very precarious and vulnerable situation, ready to tip any side and you come with a vaccination. That's the last straw. Okay. For that kind of situation. That is why it's these children that develop autism after vaccination mm. or diabetes type 1 or rheumatoid arthritis. We now have rheumatoid arthritis in babies. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and other things. So, um, considering that majority of the Western population are now gapsters, from my point of view. Right. Wow. Majority Majority, they have damaged gut flora because of agricultural chemicals, mm -hmm. particularly because of glyphosate. Yeah. That's the latest edition, and it was added in the 90s, 1990s. Um, first, it, 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 it was first classified and patented as a broad-spectrum antibiotic. And it is now a number one agricultural chemical that is used everywhere. Even organic produce in supermarkets tests positive for glyphosate. Wow. People are eating antibiotics all the time. So everybody's a gapster nowadays, vast majority. 
And the vast majority of children who are being born today and who were born in the last few years are gapsters. So we have to take that into consideration. That is why we have to change our vaccination protocols. Mm -hmm. We have to develop a series of tests and questionnaires before we decide whether this child is whether it's safe enough for this child to be vaccinated or not. Wow, and right. what kind of vaccines and how far do we delay that situation? Right. Some of the healthiest children I've met um, are children who have never been vaccinated. Right. On the other hand, the population of autistic children who have never been vaccinated too is growing. Right. Okay. We have many, many autistic children in the world, severely autistic, who have never been vaccinated. Right. So despite the fact that they didn't receive that last straw, they yeah. already gapsters, they were already sick enough yeah. to develop autism without vaccinations. Right. Wow. I think in you know, we've talked in other episodes about how in functional medicine we describe it as like a cup filling up with water. Mm-hmm. And eventually it becomes so full of water you add one more drop and the cup overflows. And so for some exactly. kids that final drop might be a vaccination. And for some kids, it may not. But if that cup is full enough to yeah. overflow, there's going to be something yeah. that tips. Men, it's threshold. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. So um, every parent has a responsibility to protect their child. Yeah. Not just give your child away to the authorities because you trust the authorities. Right. Um, to protect your child. And it is important. The child needs to be 100% healthy. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, no runny nose, no temperature, nothing, no colds, no no nutritional deficiencies. The decisive factor with vaccinations and infections too is the protein and uh, and, and uh, fat-soluble vitamins status of the child. Does this child have deficiency in protein, deficiency in vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2? And majority of children who live on breakfast cereals, sandwiches, pasta, sweets, sugar, bread, they have deficiencies in all three, in all of this. Their immune system is not working well. Their gut flora is abnormal. They are not fit to be vaccinated. They're likely to have complications. If the child lives on a GAPS diet, if the child is healthy and there are no nutritional deficiencies, the child eats plenty of animal fats, Mm-hmm. No vitamin A deficiency, no vitamin D deficiency runs around outside in the sun, sunbathes. Um, then that child may sail through vaccination and even better will sail through the infection. Mm. Right. Because, because I know people in, in the Western world now are afraid of childhood infections. Right. Everybody have been brainwashed that they're dangerous. But nature doesn't do anything without good reason. Right. Yeah. Nature is infinitely wise and it knows infinitely more than we human beings do, particularly our science. Right. Yes. Tinkered in its laboratories for a few decades while nature has been working at it for billions of years. Yes. Right? Yes. We just showed so, up here and we think we know it all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, childhood infections, measles, mumps, rubella, scarlet fever, chickenpox, and, and, and so on, they are given to our children for a specific reason to mature the child's immune system. It is a scientific fact that the child who has gone through these diseases in the childhood, never for the rest of their lives, these people develop any autoimmunity or allergies. Mm. Uh, And even cancer. They're protected from cancer too. 
Wow. Because their immune system was properly educated. When you get measles, not only immunity from measles develops, but immunity to a whole hundreds and hundreds of other microbes. Somehow the measles virus brings information about the whole microbial community on the planet into the body of the child, and the immune system is presented, it goes through that university. It goes through very complex, complex education. And uh, if the child has plenty of butter every day and bacon and eggs and soup, the kind of soup I'm talking about, not a tinned stuff out of a supermarket. Right. <laughs> the proper soup we were talking about every every day. The child will sail through that measles and come out the other end healthier. Right. Wow. Stronger right. with a properly right. educated immune system. That is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Right. Nowadays, because people want to feed their children uh, wheat and sugar mm-hmm. and process things uh, and, and rubbish because they don't want to cook, or whatever, then you have to pay for it by going and vaccinating yeah. and keeping your fingers crossed that the child doesn't slide into your teeth after that vaccination. Right. Or right. develop diabetes type 1 or rheumatoid arthritis or asthma right. or allergy or something right. else, some other disaster. Right. Absolutely. Wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, you're blowing my mind on all these things. And it, it, it seems too that everything is just coming back to nature and how it, you know, has always been. It's wow. Um, for parents who are starting a GAPS protocol with their child, what are some of your tips for if that child is resisting the protocol, if they're fighting back, if they won't eat the foods, what are some things that you found that help with compliance to the protocol? We live in a world where many people are food addicts. Remember I said sugar is the most addictive substance in the world? Yeah. If your child is addicted to sugar and to wheat, you have a drug addict on your hands. Right. Mm-hmm. To heal any drug addict, you have to pull them out of that addiction. You have to stop the drug. Mm-hmm. And they're going to fight you every step on the way. So the first thing, the first step, and the most important, that the whole family must be united on this issue. The whole, including grandma. Right. Mm, especially <laughs> grandma. Especially grandma. That's right. You know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and the, the, the father, the mother, everybody and the siblings. Everybody should be united on this issue. Because these children become very crafty and very clever yeah. at dividing and conquering. Yeah. You know, <laughs> getting this from daddy and if mommy doesn't allow that. Right. Mm-hmm. And not to have these things in the house at all. They are just thrown away. Yeah. Remove. If there is no sugar in the house, if there are no breakfast cereals in the house, if there is no bread in the house or anything made out of wheat, the child cannot get it. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. So that's just simply not available. You don't have it. Yeah. Even if you break, if you're tired and if you give in, you can't. Right. Yeah. But it's simply, simply not there. So that is the first thing uh, to do is to clean up your pantry, to clean up your, your household. And that means that parents have to deal with their own addictions. Right. Yes. Because parents of children with these problems are addicts themselves. Right. Long-term addicts. So very often parents who are resistant to help their child are actually afraid for themselves. They're resisting uh, dealing with their own addiction. They're afraid to do that. So the whole family has to work on themselves together. Right. It isn't an easy thing to do. Absolutely not an easy thing to do. That's why it's a good idea to work with a good nutritional therapist, and take it one baby step at a time, manageable steps for the whole family, and expect that there will be um, mistakes 
and there will be collapses and there will be you just pick yourself up dust yourself and start again yes eventually eventually you'll get there if you are determined and what happens you change gaps nutritional protocol transforms human beings yeah you do not go back to who you were before you become a different human being a new human being far more perceptive far more educated far more enlightened far more functional much brighter much more intelligent much more capable and better organized mm-hmm. so your life becomes much better much sunnier and hopeful and uh, kinder and happier all together your whole family starts functioning differently yeah. more coherently and, and more in balance happiness just just flows into your family it becomes a different family altogether beautiful it's well worth well it's well worth the struggle right the world needs this the world needs right. the whole world needs this Absolutely. and and i keep saying to my yaps practitioners i've been training practitioners all over the world we have thousands of certified gaps practitioners wow. now we have a new profession gaps coaches These are are people who went through the diet themselves with their families, got results, have valuable experience. We've designed a course for them. They don't have to have any prior qualifications to go on that course. And that's a growing profession as well. Uh, We we train online on uh, gapstraining.com. Wow. Three three month courses. So what I tell my practitioners, and um, they're wonderful people, all of them, and they're doing fantastic work all, all over the world. So um, would I tell them that gaps will save humanity? Yes. Eventually. Yes. One person at a time, one family at a time. And it will save the planet as well. Yes. Because the most destructive thing that human beings do on this planet is arable agriculture. This may sound as a surprise to many people. This is the most destructive activity of human beings arable agriculture mm-hmm. growing wheat sugar beet rapeseed in rotation right. cotton seed maize and all these other commodity crops arable agriculture destroys soil releases carbon into the atmosphere yeah. nitrogen fertilizers are the number one cause of methane accumulation there not animal not livestock mm-hmm. at all that's a lie It's it's nitrogen fertilizers that are poured on these arable fields because without nitrogen fertilizers, the soil is destroyed to such a degree, um, nothing will grow there at all without these fertilizers. That's what farmers say. They're addicted to this stuff. They cannot survive without it. Otherwise, all their efforts go for nothing. So if people stop eating grain and sugar, sugar beet, and wheat are gone. Yeah. We don't need to cultivate those and grow them. We will reduce the amount of production of these things dramatically. Yeah. Only to feed, uh, you know, some birds and whatever, you know, livestock a little bit. So that's all. And if people will stop eating soya, that's uh, 90% of arable fields in, in South America will be freed for pasture. Right. For yeah. Yeah, so in order to save our planet, we need million times more cattle, yes. sheep, on pigs, grass. And yes. animals. Yep. It is the animals that will save the planet, the pastures, properly grazed animals on pastures. Yep. And we have to reduce our arable agriculture by three quarters minimum. Yep. And that way, not only we will save the planet, 
we will save ourselves. Yeah. Right. Because we will become much healthier altogether. Right. Yep. Yeah. All I'm you, in. All you have to do is look yep. at the state of the world right yeah. now. Look at the the health of yep. basically yep. the entire the world yep. population. Yep. Look at what's happening. Look at the increases in behavioral disorders, the increases yep. in mood disorders, the increases yep. in depression and anxiety yep. and the increases in chronic diseases. And you can see we're not heading on a good track, right? Yep. And so obviously a major shift has to happen if we want to see a major shift in chronic disease and mood yep. disorders and behavioral disorders. So yeah, it's it's going to require something big yep. to make Absolutely. that big shift. Wow. But you see, the change has to come. All good changes in the world come from grassroots. Yes, yes. There's no point to look up to the governments. Right, right. They got greedy people behind them. They're not serving us. They're serving global corporations. Yep, yep. pharmacies and all that. Yep, they ain't worried about us. Exactly. So people have to take power into their own hands, one person at a time, one family at a time. And, you know, if people will stop growing roses and mowing grass in their gardens and make have chickens and vegetables there, that's already a step in the right direction. Right. If everybody does that. Because a lawn is a desert. And the more lawns people have on our planet, the more we turn this planet to a desert. There's nothing there for an insect, for a worm, for anything, for any life form. Right. Oh, it's a desert. It's It's just a vanity trip. It's a terrible, terrible thing to do to our planet. Loans. Yep. Everybody should make uh, vegetable gardens. I'm now writing a book on how to become an organic, sustainable farmer. I love it. For a person who is completely new to it. I love it. That's going to be a valuable resource for this world. Add that to my cart too. Yes. Because it doesn't have to be difficult and it doesn't have to. Yep. That way... One little garden at a, at a time, we can reverse the global warming. We can save our planet. Yes. Right. No matter how small, um, the more of these little plots we have, the more our planet can breathe. Yep. Yep. I just thought of that I want to plant some fruit trees, but then I remembered that fruit has sugar in it. What's your thought on fruit? Yes, fruit has sugar in it. And many people, a growing population of people cannot digest fruit anymore. Okay. Once you've healed yourself okay. with the GAPS nutritional protocol, once your gut flora has rebalanced and recovered, you can eat a limited amount. Okay. okay. Not, not overdo it, of course, because yeah. it is sugary, uh, but you can't have. And if it's from your own garden, okay. it's very different. Yes. Right. Yep. Back to your roots again. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Um, Good. Well, this is amazing. This is, yes, this is beyond amazing. I don't quite have words. This has been such a phenomenal interview with you. Um, I'm I'm sure um, just I, as we're wrapping it up, I'm sure that there are parents and individuals who have reached out to you with their success stories. Do you have a favorite success story that somebody has shared with you that you would like to share with our um, listeners, a sh- success story from a GAPS protocol. We have lots and lots of stories. At uh, one point, I have um, asked permission. I've been receiving letters and emails from people. I've asked their permission. We published 52 of these stories as a book. Oh, oh that's amazing. Oh, GAPS stories. Amazing. <laughs> I haven't written this book. This, this, this were written by the individual people. They, they all wrote it in their own words. 
And many of them even gave their contact details in their story. They're happy to be contacted. Whoa. Uh, what good support. For, like, yeah. So if you're, you know, starting the journey, get that book and get all that inspiration. Absolutely. You'll get inspiration. You'll get hope because the people who are described in there recovered from diseases that I've never described in the first book wow. until I've written the second book. People from recover from multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto, cancer, uh, from, from um, allergies, from asthma, from eczema, from psoriasis. Wow. From all the mental illnesses, including schizophrenia, all sorts of things. Diabetes, diabetes type 1 people recover from. And even from anaphylactic type allergies. Wow. wow. Anaphylactic reactions to peanuts and other nuts. Children recover. Wow. Apparently they're curable. <laughs> right. That's really neat. I feel so inspired right now. I'm going to go buy a farm and I don't know, <laughs> eat stew. I don't know. <laughs> and you've mentioned a few support groups. Um, is there like a web page people can go to if they're starting this GAPS journey and they'd like to find other Resources. families who are going through it? Do you have a, a network we can link in our show notes or something where people can find other GAPS families and connect with them or have a support group or find more resources? My website is called gaps.me and it has a blog connected to it. There's a page on my farm there as well. And there's a link to the gapstraining.com. We also have Gaps Science Foundation now. Last year, we started putting the Gaps protocol on a scientific basis. We already published three papers in peer-reviewed journals. So we're working hard at that. Awesome. Uh, so the scientific community and the medical community can accept us. Yeah. That Gaps yes. works. Right, right. <laughs> it works, truly works. So... Um, but if you go on Google Gaps, if you go and search a search engine, you will find thousands and thousands of websites. They are run by practitioners, by enthusiasts, and there are many groups there because um, I teach my practitioners to form a group. Okay. It helps them for their clinic work. It helps them to educate the whole community at once rather than explaining the same thing over and over again to individual yes. patients but they can work with the whole community of their patients. So you will find many, many support groups there. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Wow. wow. Is Yeah, this has been a delight. I I think I read to the end of our questions, but... Is there anything we haven't covered about the GAPS protocol um, that you would like to talk about or any additional information that you would like to share? Oh, 90%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know we could have an entire week's yes. worth of yes. podcasts yes. for well, sure. Pick your brain. Please read the books. Um, please study the parts that are particularly relevant to your health problems and uh, transform your life. What else is life for right. than for growing and transformation and for, for getting a, becoming a better human being? And for that, you do need health. Wow. You do need you do need because we are not these bodies, you know, the body is only a jacket you wear in one lifetime. Right. Yep. But it's a tool that we use to in order to interact with this physical world. Mm -hmm. Because the spirit, the soul cannot interact directly right. to the to the physical realm. So but if your tool is malfunctioning yeah. and not oiled well, right. and it's uh, creaking and screeching and uh, not working you know, and, and, and not doing what you what you wanted to do it's very difficult to interact with this world it becomes hard work and it's uncomfortable right 
doesn't make sense to do that to yourself, does it? Right. So we keep we come into this physical world to be creators, to create our own reality, and to create a beautiful reality and improve this world and improve the environment for ourselves and for others around us. And in order uh, to do that, we have to have a good, good well-functioning tool, right. which is called the human body. Yeah. It makes sense to look after it. Yes. Every tool has rules right. set by its designer. The one, the engineer who designs the tool has rules. Now, you don't take a, a laptop and start hammering a nail into the wall with it, right? <laughs> right. You don't do that with a laptop. You use a hammer for that. Mm-hmm. Or something, or a drill, or, or, or something else. So every tool has to be used for what it's been designed and following certain very strict rules. Human body is a tool, and its designer has strict rules. Yeah. What you feed it, what you don't feed it, what you do with it, and what you don't do with it. Mm-hmm. Listen to these rules. Follow these rules. They're all around you. They're in nature. Observe nature because nature is the ground zero of what's right in this world. And uh, fix your body and your life will transform. You will have so much more joy, so much more happiness and such wonderful creativity. Mm. You start enjoying your life and you want to live and live and create more. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 Wow. Good. Well, this was such a a beautiful and inspiring interview with you, Dr. Natasha. Thank you so much yes, this was for a, your time. This has really been amazing. Thank you for your work. Thank you for spreading the, the word and spreading the news, of educating course. people. Of yes. Thank, yeah. Yes. Gosh, I need to like soak this all in and it, need, it all needs to marinate. I'll have to listen to the podcast again. Yeah. But. I'm so excited to share this wealth of wisdom with our listeners. And it's been such a privilege to have you with us and yeah. Boy, I think we could invite you back a, yes. a million more times and still not run out of, yes. of things to talk about with you. So thank you so much, Dr. Natasha. And thank we will you. link all of your books. I'm super excited to check out your book on the vegetarianism. I've been um, looking at some of your work on that. And so, yes, I just thank you. Yep. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much. Incredible. Thank you. So, and, and thanks for listening, yes, Renegades. Thanks for listening. Go be Renegades. Go be Renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be Renegades! Go be Renegades!